But I'm going to ask you to first take up your Bibles and page with me to 1 Peter. It makes sense, hey? To go to Peter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to keep you awake as well. Because it is a long weekend, you know. And so we've got to just be wide awake. 1 Peter 1. Why don't you turn with me as we look at our slides. Are we ready with the slides? Um, we need the please. Thank you. Um, we're going to look at just a verse from 1 Peter Chapter 1 and verse 23. And um, the, uh, the title of our message this morning, as we just quickly look at that, sorry, just the seed of God in you. I'm going to talk about the seed of God in you. And uh, we're going to go to Exodus to do that, so don't worry. But 1 Peter 1 verse 23 has this beautiful, beautiful verse that we want to read. And it says, since you have been born again, and those of you that are here this morning, that carry a testimony that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, this is relevant to you. If you don't know Christ as your Lord, if you've not con considered con submitting your life to Him and surrendering to Him, we want to help you with that. But for those of you that have the testimony that Christ is Lord of your life, this is what the Bible says. Since you have been born again, say with me, born again. Great. Right. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So there's a seed in you. When you're born again, there's an imperishable seed that comes through the working of God, through the word of God that is planted in you. Look at the word imperishable and just see what that means. Imperishable just means permanent, enduring, everlasting, never ending. Quite clear what that means. So when you're born again, there's a seed that God comes and He plants in us that never comes to an end. And that seed is like any other seed. It needs to germinate and grow. We don't just walk around with a seed and say, hey, I've got a seed. You can walk around with a seed that has the potential to become an incredibly fruitful tree, but you never see it germinate and it never will grow. So you can die with the seed in your hand. And I wonder just how many of us walking around with seed that, that have not germinated and not growing. But there's a seed of God's work in your life that needs to grow. And now when we go to Exodus, we're going to look at what happened in the life of Moses. So go with me. We're going to do doing a couple of Bible drills this morning. Thank you for being so excited. Yes. All right. We're going to read together from Exodus chapter 2. In verse 11, we finished last week at verse 12, uh, verse 10, correct? When uh, Moses was drawn out of the water and he started being raised in the house of Pharaoh in the palace. Alright, so here it is. We're going to read it together from verse 11. One day, say with me, one day. One day. One day, one day when, Mo when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. <coughs> he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. 
It's amazing that the first introduction we get to Moses, besides the fact that his parents looked after him and put him in a basket, is that he killed someone. How's that? First report. He <laughs> wow. And he said to the man in the rock, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Oops. Oh, there were some cameras around, eh? They're like these days, you can't do anything without people filming you. It says, Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Wow. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their flock, their father's flock. The shepherd came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father Ruel, he said, and by the way, Ruel is also Jethro, same person. You'll read later in Exodus when it's referred to the father-in-law of of Moses is Jethro or Real. He said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, An Egyptian, looking like one, but not really one, uh, my paraphrase, delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and uh, watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Come, call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter, Zipporah. She gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. Just some key words here that I want you to notice before we carry on. I want you to notice the word grown up. Moses is now grown up. Uh -huh. I want you to notice that he went out and he looked. He didn't just stay in the palace. Consider the fact that obviously there's a killing that took place, but before that Moses was afraid. Because after that, Moses became afraid and and um, and uh, and realized that the thing is no. All right, Moses, Pharaoh heard of it and Moses fled and <coughs> sat down by a well in Midian and the ladies came. He helped them and out of that, Moses found a new life. <laughs> and that's where the story ends. And he had a son. Now turn with me to Acts seven, please. I want you to see how this story is related to us in the book of Acts by a man called Stephen. Stephen, this is not an added note for you. Know the Bible well enough. Know the stories of the Bible well enough so that you can relate God's goodness to people, would you? Yeah. So here we have a man who's, who just shares on the whole story of, of what God has done. And so in Chapter 7, from verse 22 to 29, I want to read to you the following. Stephen is standing and talking to people about God, and this is what he shares. whole line of history that he comes up with, but particularly the portion around Moses, our man, that we're looking at. It says in verse 22, And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, because he, remember he grew up there. And he was mighty in his words and deeds. A great place for Moses to have lived. He was cared for. He was treated like a royalty. He was a stepson of Pharaoh. He was raised in that house. And it says here, verse 23, when he was 40 years old. So what we know about his first 40 years is that he grew up in the palace. What happened in Exodus 2, verses 11, he's now 40 years old. 
It says, it came into his heart. Listen to that. It came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand because his time had not really come. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. So we have the real situation taking place. We have Stephen talking to us, sharing to us about his life, and he gives us a bit more detail. Then what we find in Hebrews, go with me to the last portion, in Hebrews, where we find in chapter 11, where all the heroes of the faith are, are celebrated. And here Moses obviously is one of them. And in verse 24, we find the following. It says, by faith, say with me, faith. Faith is the key. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, how old was he? Some of you are not grown up yet because how many of you are under 40? According to the Bible, you've grown up only at the age of 40, eh? Sorry to all of you. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, it says, when he was grown up, listen to what it says, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Even though he enjoyed the benefits of that, he says, my identity is not there. How's that? It says, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Fleeting pleasures of sin. How many people fall prey to those things? The fleeting pleasures of sin. Alright? He considered that the reproach of Christ, the abuse suffered for Christ, really, that's what it means, the reproach of Christ, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Beautiful portion. Just three different portions from the Bible that help us understand the, the story, but also the heart of Moses, what Moses had experienced. Moses, by the way, wrote, wrote the book of Exodus. Okay? So he gave us a lot of detail. But the other people gave us more detail about his heart at the time. So that's why it's so important that we do this exercise called Scripture, Interpret, Scripture. Alright? Don't just take one verse and you know, make a big thing out of it. Let it be supported by what else is written in the Bible. We've got to do that. They call it exegesis, but we're not going to go there. Alright, so just some things that I want to share with you this morning out of these three different versions of what happened to Moses. And we're going to mostly look at it from these three different points, but obviously Exodus is our main focus. I want to talk to you about the seed of God in you. And firstly, I want to say that God uses every experience in our lives. Every. Say with me, every. Every. God uses every experience in our lives to, to let the seed grow that He has put. This imperishable seed. God uses everything that we go through to make it grow. The first stage of Moses' life. Moses lived 120 years. Alright? 
first phase of his life is what we find him in the pleasures of a palace. I know that's a great place to live, isn't it? <laughs> it's like I mean, he had fun there. He was growing. He was, he was being taught a lot of things, and he obviously must have been exposed to a whole host of good educational, um, you know, situations where guys had been, you know, adding value to his life, and so he had lots of that: the wealth, the riches, the honor of a palace. None of us have ever lived in a palace, I think, unless some of you are, you know, hiding your royalty or something, you've come to Zimbabwe because you're on a royal expedition. Um, I don't know. But anyway, so none of us really know too much about what it's like living in a palace. But I can just imagine what it must have been like. 40 years, that's where he lived. The next 40 years of his life is, is completely different. He now leaves Egypt and he goes to Midian and he goes and he experiences this pilgrimage of the pastures. Because he's a, he's a shepherd boy. He's on a sheep. <laughs> the contrast is amazing. But God uses everything. The 40 years in the palace was necessary to let something in his heart grow. The 40 years in the, uh, among the sheep in the pasture land was just as necessary. Then the next 40 years of his life, which we will continue to look at as we continue to journey through the book of uh, Exodus, is, is the pressures of the people. <laughs> Alright, so he's now amongst the people, and he mostly finds himself in a, a place called the desert. It didn't fit the pea, so I couldn't use desert. But pressures of people I felt was more appropriate in terms of the peas that we wanted to linger along with. But the point is that he has these three distinct stages of his life. Where God uses what he's going through to build and to grow the seed that he had planted in his life. Remember back when we spoke last week, his, his parents said there's something beautiful in this child. He's a fine child. I believe that they saw something that God had planted in him. And in each one of you, there's an imperishable seed. There's something fine in you. And it's Jesus Christ. And that needs to grow so that it can be of use to other people. And whatever situation you are in, don't despise the, the situation. And we often speak about that. But embrace the place. Whether it's a palace, a pasture, or amongst people. Embrace your place. Because the seed in you needs to grow. And so every season that we go through, God uses to grow the seed. He had planted in us. Why does He want to grow it? So that it can produce fruit. Alright? Don't just protect the, the, the seed. Oh, I don't want people close to me. No, no, the people that need to come around you are the people that God will probably use to help you grow the seed. And Moses had two and a half million of them. Hey, that's kind of not some easy pressure, don't you think? That's severe pressure. The second point I want to make is that God often reminds us of the seed that he has planted in us. We often become oblivious. And we become so aware of all the stuff outside that we forget about the thing inside. That imperishable seed in you that Peter talks about is something that you and I need to look after. So one of the things that you do, and well done again. <laughs> for being here, because part of the reason why you come is to look after the seed inside of you. Amen? But this is not enough, bro. Alright? This is not enough. You don't go and send me a feedback of how many times you prayed this week and what verses you read. You and God, you, you connect. 
whatever place it is that you're in, you connect with Him so that the seed in you can grow. And so God is committed to letting that seed grow. And He often comes and He reminds us. He reminds us of what He had started. Paul talks about the good work that Christ has started in us. He wants to complete. He wants to bring that to completion one day. And so there's something in you that's that needs to continue to grow. And you need us. You need one another also. You need to be in a place where you can have people help you grow the seed in you. And so look at this verse in chapter 2 of Exodus. It says in verse 11, love that, those two words. It's just one day. Just one day. When Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their earth. Out of nowhere, we have this one day. There's no lead up towards it that says, and, and Moses, as he was considering his people, and, and, and a month before, or a year before, when he was 29, or when he was 35, or whatever it is, he, he just heard about the Hebrews again. But one day, he went out, and he saw the burdens of his people. And so there was something in him that God had planted, that now it, it had grown to the effect that he's saying, hey, I can't just stay in the palace. There's something in me. Yes, I'm, I'm, I look like an Egyptian. Because remember the ladies at the well, they're like, ah, there was an Egyptian that came. There's that song, walk like an Egyptian, talk like an Egyptian. I don't know if it comes from there. But anyway, um, and so, so he was recognized as an Egyptian, but in his heart he was a Hebrew. There's a seed in him and me that God has planted. That he wants to remind you of that it needs to grow. And so we can say, well, I'm happy in the palace. Just leave me alone. But one day, one day, ladies and gentlemen, that he couldn't ignore that scene any longer. And he stood up, he went outside, and he saw his people. And Acts 7, verse 23, it says, it came to his heart to visit his people. How's that? It came to his heart. Who does that kind of thing? It's God. It's God who stirs our hearts. He says, I've called you for my people. I've called you to live a different life. I've called you to reach out. I've called you to consider not just living for yourself. I've called you out of palaces into places where you can make a difference. And so, the seed of God in the heart of Moses made him realize that he needed to live beyond the luxuries of the palace. It came into his heart. And it seems like, if you now read Hebrews again, it seems like at this point that Moses started rejecting all the praise of magnificence and the riches of all that Egypt had offered him. And he decided to be faithful to the seed inside of him. He didn't know that immediately it was going to result in him going to Midian. But he just said, I can't ignore the plight of my people. And whatever it is that we may ignore, I can't ignore it any longer because there's a seed in me that says, God calls me to love him and to love people. I can't ignore that stuff. And the seed of God, the imperishable one that lives inside of us, is going to draw us to the place constantly where we've got to say, should I, should I, should I? And unless you answer the should I, that, that question will always remain part of your mind. It's an imperishable seed. It's never ending going to be this tucking of your 
on your shoulder where God says, come. And he, a decision that he took, took him from the palace to the pasture. It took him from one classroom to another classroom. And that's why I said earlier on, God can use any situation to, to teach us, to grow us. The first classroom in his life was the palace. It was a very formal class. It was a very, you know, set one. It was very organized and very official. And then God took him out of that class into a different class. And now it's about sheep. <laughs> like, oh boy, so this is a bit different. And that's how God uses different situations in our lives. He takes us from one environment into another because he wants to grow the seed inside of you. And so don't fight the situation. Don't fight the people. Don't fight the folks around you. Close ones, the close ones, the loved ones, the, the relatives, the, the colleagues. That's the place where God has put you. That's the sheep that you need to have amongst you at the moment in your life. Because God wants to grow the seed in you into a fruitful forest. Sometimes we just like, ah, I just don't want people around me. <laughs> no, you do. You do. There were things in, that God wanted to develop in Moses and grow in him that needed to happen outside of the palace now. And when the time of the pasture, which we will look into the future still a couple of weeks from now, when he came amongst the people, God said, okay, the time of the pasture land is now finished. Now we're going to take you to the place where the people will be around you. And boy, oh boy, you would have wished to be back in the pasture land. Sheep are easier. I mean, just go there. Shut up. Just get in there. Don't stay there for the night. Don't graze you. Don't talk to me. People are they different. And Moses experienced that, didn't he? But it grew Moses. It grew that seed in him. And so in Hebrews 11, we find in verses 24 to 26 that Moses actually refused the palace and chose the root of trials instead of treasures. Gee, boy, oh boy. So again, this palace thing is just so beautiful and it's so attractive. But God said, no, I want you to come out of that. Eventually, he's going to face some deep trials. He understood something, though that God was moving him on to the next assignment. Assignment with sheep. <laughs> you know, it cannot be possible for 40 years. I'm going to be amongst sheep. Hey? Okay? Like, appalling. Like, God, that's a waste of time. 40 years palace, 40 years in the pastures, because there was something that God was preparing him for. And maybe you're amongst the people already. Maybe you've gone through your sheep moment. I don't know. Maybe it's intertwined. This is not a philosophy that says it always happens like that in every person's life. But sometimes we find ourselves in a palace and it's just pumpkin dory. It's just beautiful. God, I can stay here forever. And I go, yeah, yeah, enjoy it while it lasts. Because there are people and sheep on its way. I don't know where you are. Most of us will find ourselves amongst people, but also through those sheep moments where it's quiet, very little is happening. It's like, oh, I feel isolated. God's saying, I'm working, I'm working. And so do not fight whatever situation you're in. Embrace your place. And the beautiful thing in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6, we don't have time to turn to all of these, but there it says that, Paul's writing, it says, um, I planted, Apollos watered the seed, but God gives them Increase. So God makes it grow. 
So we are in environments where people can plant things in our lives and, and, and we water it, and, and, but God makes it grow. So there's a confidence that we can have in God that as we, as we submit to Him, we say, God, I don't know what I'm going through completely, but I know that you're in control. And please make the seed grow. The third thing I want to say is that God's moral standards are seed planted in our hearts. Because we've got to deal with a situation here that comes up that we can't just jump over. <laughs> There's a man about to be killed. It says in verse, in verse 12, let's read again from verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens and saw an Egyptian being beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Verse 12. He looked this way. He looked that way. And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and killed him. Tried to hide him in the sand. What made him look this way, that way, making sure that no one is looking? There was something in him that said what he was about to do was wrong. <coughs> Come on. Nobody goes around checking out, making sure that what you're about to do is the right thing or is not noticed by anybody else if you know that the thing is right. Uh -huh. Nobody, if you're constantly looking over your shoulder, then you've got to ask the question, what I'm doing may not be the right thing. So Moses looked this way and that, indicating that his conscience was troubled by what he was about to do. There was a scene in him. There was a seed of morality. The godly standards were built and established inside of him. And he knew that he couldn't just do. Just don't run ahead with my notes, eh? Just stay with me. I'm not there yet. All right. God's standards are built inside of us. And we've got to make sure that we don't just do what we think is good. We've got to let the seed of God inside of us direct our path. That's why this statement is. The next one. If we have to look this way and that before we do something, it is probably best that we don't do it at all. Come on. Mm -hmm. So Moses, God didn't want to catapult him from the palace into the pasture because through a murder. That was never God's plan. He needed to get amongst the sheep, yes. But God would have used something else. We cannot say, oh, this is God's way then. So let me get to my sheep now. I'm going to sort out somebody now. Come on. He looked this way and that, indicating that he was troubled by what he was about to do. And if you're troubled by whatever you're about to do, it's probably good that you don't do it. Amen? Amen? I'm not talking about that trouble that you have, that you use it as an excuse as, oh, I can't share the gospel because I don't have the confidence. I'm not talking about that trouble. I'm talking about a, a deep concern that you know that you know that you know. I don't know if I should do this. Hey? Best that you don't do it. There's a seed inside of us that God has planted to make sure that we do and go the right way. So I believe, therefore, God does use our consciences to guide us. If you feel troubled in your spirit, I don't know. That transaction, I'm, I'm not at peace about this. Oh, I'm wondering. It's, it's Holy Spirit tucking you here. You go on the internet, you're like, I wonder if I should go this way. Ah, come on. Don't feel, you're like, I wonder if she's going to notice. 
Now you look this way, you look that way. That's an indication that you shouldn't go where you want to go. <coughs> Amen? Whatever situation it may be, ladies and gentlemen. Our, God, our commitment to God's moral standards in us should direct and drive us. And not just what we want to have for ourselves. And so Moses kind of had this attitude in that moment. Well, they were bad to us, so I can be bad to them. They did this to my people, so I can do to them what I think is right. Why did he still look at that, that way and this way? Couldn't be justified. He should have considered what is imprinted in his heart before he made a move. That's why I want to encourage you, listen to the voice of God inside of you. The last thing I want to say is that God is able to bring the seed back to life even when we fail. So we see here that Moses messed up, but God still let that seed in him not die. Chapter 2, verse 14, it says, And he answered, Who made you a prince? One of the Hebrews, and a judge over us. Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptians? So it was obviously public knowledge. Moses obviously didn't have good eyesight. Because okay? it says he looked this way, he looked that way, he looked around, but hey, there were some eyes that were hidden. Uh -huh. CCTV cameras are like, hey, Moses, we watch you, we got it on camera. Anyway, so it was seen. By the way, we could never hide anything. Huh? You can never hide anything. And boy, oh boy, if you're living at the moment with stuff in your life that is hidden, please notice that God sees that, not to condemn. But He doesn't want that seed in you to die. Come out with it, repent. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Let that seed continue to grow. Moses failed, he had to flee. But the seed of faith that God had planted in him kept him from fearing the next step. Listen to what Hebrews says. Because again, Scripture interprets Scripture. In verse 27 of Hebrews 11, it says, By faith, say with me, by faith. By faith he left Egypt. Not with fear. By faith he left Egypt. And not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Who is God? Who is the one who is invisible? It's our God. So he considered God. He said, God, I may have messed up, but I'm in faith. I'm going to leave Egypt and move into the next season of my life that you have for me. Because there's something in me that I believe is from you that I want wanted to grow. He had faith that God would be able to keep his promises. He feared Pharaoh so little. <clears throat> Listen to this. He feared Pharaoh so little because he feared God so much. Alright? He was not intimidated by Pharaoh. Not because he had no respect for him, man, but he had greater respect for God. We've got to understand that your fear of people is often related to your fear of God. If you're fearing people, you may have a very little understanding of who God is. The bigger our understanding and our view of God, the greater our confidence is amongst people. And so live and, and, and position yourself and let the seed of God grow in you to grow your fear of God. Not being afraid of God, but your respect of God. Our ability to handle the pressures of the world is directly to related to how we view God. So I'll say that again. 
Our ability to handle the pressures of the world is directly related to how we view God. So our inability to handle the world and the stuff could be related to our very minute understanding of who God is and a very little or a weakened revelation of who God is. Hence the effort of going into the Word and seeing who God is. So that when you see who God is, the stuff around you, they don't intimidate you. But He is the one who directs you. We regularly fail, but God never gives up on us. And that's so beautiful to see here. Moses failed. He, he killed a man. But God was faithful to help him. Moses had to flee for his life, yet realizing this, that the worst of what God had to offer, maybe sheep, pastors, he didn't know that this was coming. But even in his heart, he may have said, the worst that may come our way is better than the best that the world can offer me. The world can offer me this palace. But I need to go where God wants me. And the worst that God can offer me is better than the best the world can offer. So don't be attracted by the best that the world can give to you. It actually comes with a lot of lies and deceit. God says, just come this way. I'm going to let the seed grow in you. And we are allured away often by the, the supposed beauties of the world. Someone once said this. It is better to die in the will of God than live outside. The best of the world cannot be compared to what God has for me. And God is not there to destroy me, but He's there to grow the seed in my life. So you see how God's faithfulness comes through to Him once again. And the beautiful story is here He comes and He arrives at this well in verse 15 of chapter 2 in Exodus. It says it's fled from, from Pharaoh and he arrived at Midian and he went and sat at a well. <laughs> and so seven women arrived. Now, that's a great way to arrive in a new country where seven women are just amongst you. And, and, but they are ill-treated. It says here that um, they came and they drew water, but shepherds came and drove them away. Probably in that, in that culture, patriarchal culture, women had no value. Ah, you don't dare come here. But listen to this. There's a seed in his heart that God had planted. And the seed is actually for the benefit of others. You'll see it later on where he led the, the people of God out of Egypt. But there's a seed in him that now 40 plus years later, it still is there actually to benefit others. So what Moses does, he does a simple thing. Listen to what it says. In verse 17, Moses stood up. He's sitting by the well, minding his own business. He's just been kind of chucked out of Egypt because he killed a man. He's, in a sense, running for his life. There's faith in his heart that God will still bring about these plans for him. And here's our lady is being ill-treated. Moses could have said, well, not my business, this stuff. Moses stood up. I love that. The seed in him did not die. The seed in him that is there for the benefit of the kingdom of God and for the and the benefit of other people made him stand up and say, This is not right. And he helped them. And out of that we see that he was then allowed into this family where he found a wife and had two children. 
beautiful. It was all because a seed in him, an imperishable seed, planted by God, that said, I've got a calling on your life. I want you to become the one that will deliver my people from Egypt. There's that seed in him that said, I will use every situation in your life, Moses, to grow you. But even here, when you're amongst people that you don't even know, that seed will come alive. That seed will bring you to the place where you say, I cannot just live for myself. I'll stand up and I'll say, get away! This is not right! I wonder... But the seed that we have in our lives, how often we stand up for others. We can easily do, do the thing of standing up for ourselves. Just stand up for yourself. You know? It's fine. But what about standing up for others? The seed of God, this imperishable seed that we spoke about earlier on, is not there just to have a beautiful future established for you. With all due respect to all of you. Is there so that you can stand up for the benefit of others? And we have hoppers of stories of people that are today standing up for the benefit of others. And amongst you, I'm sure there are stories that we can be that we can share with one another of, of how you are standing up for the benefit of others. But may I just encourage you that the seed of God in you is not a seed that will make you. It's intended to make us look good. The seed of God inside of us is to bring honor to Him. It's to make Him look good. And so whatever situation you're in, in your marriage, in your family life, in your work life, at home, wherever it may be, stand up for others. Stand up for them. Because there's a seed in you that is not for your own benefit. And so as we conclude, beautiful just story here of how Moses... This is basically the beginning of his next 40 years and we're going to go into the next stories from here on that will share with us some of those you know, stories from, from this portion of life where he's really called sojourning, where he's pilgrimaging on a, on a journey with God through the pastures and how God is working and working his life. All because there's a seed. And so this morning we want to thank God for the seed that he has put inside each one of us. And as we celebrate communion right now, I want to let you take time to acknowledge this beautiful seed that has come to be imprinted and planted in your heart. That's a seed of the gospel. But Jesus Christ had come to do for us, to save us, to deliver us from the from sin and to give us a hope. That's a beautiful seed. And that's that seed that we are reminded of every day. Oh God, I want to live for you. I want to look after this. I want to work out my salvation in a sense, not create salvation, but I want to make sure that what you've done for me is well looked after the seed. One of the best ways in which we can do that is to thank you. Is to thank you. And so this morning, as you remember this imperishable seed in you, we're going to use the, off, the um, communion moment. The elements of the communion speaks about what Jesus has done. <coughs> and so let's recognize, let's appreciate, let's celebrate this most amazing seed that you and I have received, the seed of salvation. So Father, this morning as we prepare our hearts, maybe Miles, could you come to the front please?
Lord, as we prepare our hearts just to meet around this beautiful table, it's not the physical table, it's the remembrance of what you've done for us on the cross through your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the imperishable seed that has come through what Jesus did for us on the cross. And I thank you that there's a seed inside of us, Lord God, that needs to grow, that has been growing in most people's lives. I want to pray, Lord, that, that none of us will resist that growth, but will continue to allow it to happen. And as we now break bread and celebrate your death on the cross, Jesus, for what, you, what you've done for us, we thank you for the work that you did for us. And we recognize that inside of us, this work of salvation was initiated by you. And that seed was planted so we can see that seed grow and become similar in its nature to what you have done for us. And I pray that as we thank you through breaking bread and drinking of the cup, Lord God, it will again just bring to our memory what you have done. And Lord God, that we will add water to the seed inside of us. So help us, Lord, to not live ignoring the seed, but help us to, to be so responsible with the seed as we nurture it by spending time with you, looking after it. God, going into your word and letting it grow, the seed, so that it can become a fruitful tree unto you. So we thank you for that.